All right. Well, welcome to Midlife Mastery. And first off, a huge thank you. I just discovered that Midlife Mastery is ranked in the top 10% globally in its categories by list notes. With all the podcasts out in the world, that is a little humbling and very, very mind-blowing. So a huge shout out and thank you for listening and sharing. And most importantly, for all the things that you are doing to create your own amazing midlife. You know, while we share a lot of ideas on this show, the best ideas in the world are useless until we put them into action. So I'd love to hear from you. What are the things you are doing to create an amazing midlife? And sometimes even the smallest things can have huge results. So let me know. Reach out on Instagram, which is just at Midlife Mastery Podcast, or send an email to brock at midlifemasterypodcast.com. Would love to connect with you. Would love to hear from you on what are the things you are doing to create an incredible midlife. Now, for today's episode, I am super excited to have Claire and James Davis, also known as the Midlife Mentors. They bring their full-on joy and enthusiasm for living an amazing midlife and helping others do the same. So on this episode, we talk about a lot of things, and they share how our hormones are changing in midlife for both women and men, and more importantly, what we can do about it. We talk about some of the challenges that men face in midlife that don't always get talked about. They discuss self-talk and how that affects improving ourselves. We talk a little bit about their eight-week program called the Midlife Method to regain control of body, mind, and life. And we spend a little bit of time talking about improving communication with our significant other in midlife. Now, this is a fun conversation all about embracing our second half of life with joy and with enthusiasm. So if you're ready to play bigger, let's get started. Today, we've got James and Claire from Midlife Mentors and also 38 Degrees North. And so really excited to talk to you. And first off, what I know about you is that you're helping busy midlifers regain control of their body, their mind, and their life. And so love that. Really looking forward to this conversation because that's what inspired this podcast. It seems like that's a very common theme. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing what you do if other people weren't trying to figure this out as well. So first off, how did you end up being Midlife Mentors? Uh. That's a great question. Probably like a similar route to yourself, actually, with, with the Midlife Mastery podcast. So we 38 Degrees North was our first company, which was a luxury fitness retreats based out of Ibiza in Spain and Marbella in Spain. And that company's still running. Obviously, the last two years have been very quiet for obvious reasons. We're really lucky that that got us in a position where we could actually see thousands and thousands of clients. And we found out our client base, I guess, maybe because of like, you know, the resorts we're working with and the price point was slightly older, like, like mid-30s upwards. And we started to see a lot of people come in with very similar kinds of issues. And the ages we are ourselves, like, so I'm 49 in December. Are you going to get this right now? 42. He's going to... I always talk a year off, Claire. It's Most very girls sweet. It's very sweet, but he always says I'm 41, which is lovely. But I was just... <laughs> I kept saying, no, I am 42. It doesn't matter if I'm 42. And he kept just getting it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, 42. Well done. <laughs> so we noticed, like, you know, obviously things were happening with our own bodies, but we're seeing the similar things come with clients. And then actually the main inspiration was really talking to, to friends, I guess, and contemporaries. And so many of them having this, having this viewpoint that, like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of it now. I just accept this expanding waistline, this, like, lowering of energy. I'm kind of, like, looking down the hill now towards the end, and that's just the way it is. And I was like, no, it does not have to be like that. You can, like, embrace the second act with, like, 
so much joy and enthusiasm and, and do so much just by tweaking your lifestyle to get so much from it, you know. And then it came the Midlife Mentors so podcast. So we started a podcast, first of all. In 2019. Yeah. So that was early 2019. So that was really fun. That was just James and I deciding that that was our first introduction to um, actually putting ourselves out there as Midlife Mentors. Didn't know how it was going to fly. Just basically used it as a way to take the mickey out of each other a little bit at first and banter and get some knowledge out there. And it just flew. I have to say, it was so nice. I think it's because we weren't holding on too tight. Didn't have any, didn't monetize it, didn't want to do anything with it. It was just a way of connecting with people. And now, so we're told we're in the top 2% of global podcasts on that now, which is is beautiful and humbling and still can't, you know, we're blown away by that. So then we thought, okay, this, we're onto something like we were saying before we hit record. We're kind of onto something. There's, there's no one really talking to this Generation X. It is almost like there's a lost generation of us that aren't being spoken to, aren't being connected with, you know, don't feel like they've got a voice as well. So we decided to come up with a midlife method, which is an eight-week program. So that's how we started, was actually with a podcast. Mm. It's a great way to start and get, nice. your, get your community together. Absolutely. And congratulations on the top 2%. That is phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been pretty consistent, even on those, those weeks. I've, I've got to be honest, but we were surprised. We had, we had a, you might know the site, this notes, and someone said, oh, yeah, you can see where you're ranking on there. So we went on, so I said, it was like, oh, you're in the top 2%. We're like, ooh. <laughs> you have to check. It was a surprise must, to us as well. They must be lying. They must be lying. It's too much fun to be able to be that good at it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, we, we have a ball doing that, actually. We get some just really lovely people from all around the world just saying, oh, I just listen to your podcast. It's great, yeah, as you know, because you're, podcast is amazing as well and touching so many lives it's really nice to connect with people everywhere absolutely and so let me ask when you have people reach back out to you and you know tell you about your podcast what is it that they're connecting to what are they really what's really resonating with them i think they can see that we walk our talk you know we're very authentic you know we'll we'll be like okay you know this this is how you would set up like a healthy eating plan this kind of thing but hey here's here's us at the weekend like having burgers and a beer you know because it's you know it's not about restricting yourself for the rest of your life you know it's about finding that balance you know if you're if you're eating chocolate cake every day, guess what? There's going to, it's going to be a trade-off. It's about finding your happy point. I think we can see that... We're happy. <laughs> we're happy. Uh, and we're very happy the way we manage that. We know, like, you know, do be good 80% of the time, the other 20% of the time, you know, have fun, enjoy yourself. Don't worry about it too much. Life's too short and too precious to get hung up on this stuff. But at the same time, let's find that balance between enjoying yourself, indulging yourself, but also staying healthy, positive mindset and on track. So. Yeah, and I think it is, it's the fact that we we are that mind, body and soul connection. You know, we tap into all of that and making sure that we're helping people transform from the inside out. So on our podcast, we touch on all different elements of that, like spirituality, you know, that sense of self, that sense of truth of who you are, as well as all the physicality stuff and the hormones. Like hormone stuff is what a lot of people end up reaching out to us because we're I'm a menopause, especially so is James, which is amazing that he's he's bothered, you know, genuinely that he's bothered to really understand it because he has got a lot of women clients. So but he's really genuinely women always say, Oh, it's so nice to see a guy that understands all this stuff, very approachable. But yeah, I think it's the hormone stuff that women, women especially don't know what's going on with their body. Their body doesn't feel like their own anymore. And the the anxiety and the depression is a whole cocktail of hormones going on in their body. So to be understood, to actually have someone this, this is why. It's not your fault. 
this is why and this can be a glorious time of your life like this can be embracing it and working in line with your body and your mind and not against it this is this is our opportunity to really embrace the wisdom that comes with age right yeah so well let's jump in there and let's talk about hormones a little bit and because at least the way mass media tends to present it it's like well you got some hormones sorry oh stop yeah what so you know what are you going to do about it just deal with it and but we know that's not true so what can we do to i mean we're not going to stop menopause but what can we do men or women to really kind of balance out our hormones yeah, that's a great question, you know, and, well, I'll, I'll briefly summarise what's going on then. Claire can speak yeah. to the women and I'll speak to the men. Absolutely. But for both for both sexes, the main thing that's happening as we hit mid- midlife and we hit our menopause is the levels of our sex hormones are decreasing. So for women, it's their estrogen, their progesterone is dropping off, their testosterone drops off until it actually completely ceases. Of course, that has a number of physiological effects. For men, the main sex hormone is testosterone, Again, that is declining actually from like our mid to late 20s onwards. By the time we're hitting around 50, it could be 30 to 50% lower than it was in our 20s. Obviously, that can have a massive impact on our physiological state. For both men and women, those physiological changes can also start to manifest emotional and psychological changes as well. So it's about how you put that all that together. You're right, we're saying everything is interconnected because not all that's going on. We're talking about sex hormones there, but also we have hormones like leptin, which is like the I'm full hormone. That declines as we age as well. So we tend to over. We have another hormone, ghrelin, that seems to get more active, which makes us hungry more. We become more insulin resistant. Now, basically, in layman's terms, insulin like is, is helping us like process our food effectively for energy. So as we become more and more resistant, we're more likely to lay down body fat. So all these things are going on. Of course, if you throw stress into the mix, which a lot of us have at midlife with the hormone cortisol, that's basically compounding and magnifying all these effects as well. So that's what's going on for women. Yeah. What can I mean, you do just, <laughs> well, I just did this workshop this morning, actually, when I, I gave six lifestyle modifications, but just on the estrogen and how that affects women's mood. Um, and it can really, really make it's a real it's such a devastating thing at that time of life because you can't necessarily figure out why you're feeling this way and you can be happy one minute, sad the next, angry the next. and women just are like, what, what is going on with my emotions? And it feels like, like our body's not our own. It's just doing all these things without us being in control of it. What's actually happening is our, our estrogen is dropping. Um, estrogen helps the production of serotonin. Um, and it helps with the transportation of serotonin. And serotonin, 90% of it is created in our gut. But actually what happens is when we're producing less estrogen, obviously if that's a main transporter for um, serotonin and yeah, creates it and transports it, then obviously as that sex hormone, as estrogen is do- dropping, so is serotonin. So there's an actual physiological response that's also hitting in with serotonin there as well, the hormone serotonin. So actually just creating awareness. This is the most beautiful part, I think, of our work is those women that are sitting for me going, oh, my goodness, I didn't want to get out of bed for, for a month. I have that. Was, I didn't want to get out of bed for a month. I thought I was going mad. I thought I was going to have to go on antidepressants. And you know what? I, I always say I'm always really honest about this. I always put on antidepressants years ago. So I'm not anti antidepressants. What I am anti is we were saying this before we jumped on um, recording women going to their GP here in the UK and saying, I feel low, I feel really depressed, and then just throwing medication at them without understanding whether their nutrition is dialed in, whether their movement is dialed in, 
whether they're practicing any stress management techniques, any meditation, anything to connect themselves with and giving themselves permission to just have some time to themselves. You know, there's so much stuff that GPs don't necessarily ask before putting you on medication. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I feel really passionate about. I mean, the tweaks you can do, again, for men and women, is, is diet. Like Claire said there, serotonin is the feel-good neurotransmitter produced in the gut. So we want to make sure our gut health is really good, which means yeah. we want to be cutting all of the sugar. kind of processed foods out, minimising sugar where we can, getting in as much fibre as we can. All those things will help gut health, help our neurotransmitters in the gut. Because we're both men and women naturally losing our muscle mass and our strength, that means that our metabolism is actually slowing. The rate at which we're burning energy is slowing down because we're losing the muscle. So we want to start resistance training to keep that muscle or add new muscles, keep our metabolic rate high and keep our strength and keep our bone density. That's also going to help your mental state. And then, more yeah, protein. more protein in your diet, less carbohydrates, like not low carb, but start to load your carbohydrates earlier in the day. Make sure you're getting from natural sources. So lots of leafy vegetables and things like that. Minimize like processed carbs, like your pastas, bread, stuff like that. And then movement, nutrition. The other big thing is mindset. So like for, for the guys, it can often be this gradual decline, right? So, so it's not, for women, it happens in a shorter window of time. For men, it's this gradual decline. They can just suddenly get up and be like, I feel like my body's letting me down a bit now. But they don't know why, right? Because it's about this, I'm not understanding what's going on with the hormones and physiology. It's like, I'm not strong. I haven't got the energy. I'm not as fast. And that's making my mood low. Like testosterone plays a, plays a role in our mood as well, similar for women. So if that's low, we like to have a lower mood, be more anxious, more depressed. Then if we're like suffering suffering with our like libido, our strength, all that kind of stuff, the stuff that defines us as a man, like our self-identity is wrapped up in, that can be quite devastating for men. And they tend to be less good at opening up to their peer groups, to friends, to talk about what's going on. So a lot of men tend to, I think at the moment, unfortunately, suffer in silence. But what you can do is basically start moving their body more, start resistance training, clean up the diet, Which start stress. working on what we call the positive mindset reps as well. You know, just do little things like practicing gratitude every day, start to develop a positive mindset. And all these things will make a huge impact down the line. Yeah, because all those things help manage stress as well. Because, mm -hmm. you know, your diet will really positively or negatively impact the levels of cortisol, you know, how, how your body is responding to stress. So you're feeding it rubbish, it's not going to be able to cope with the stress as well. We always say stress is a silent killer, you know, and I know that sounds really dramatic, but we're so used to being in this hum, this constant hum of stress now, you know, it's normalised, it's it's just normal. But what our body was only supposed to be there for short bursts of time, it's just there constantly. And we almost wear it like a badge of honour, don't we? Oh, I'm really busy, I'm really stressed. But we're just there and we don't really understand how it's impacting our physiology until our body kicks back. And it also plays a really negative impact on our libido as well, because there's a mother hormone called progenolone, and it comes off going down to cortisol, comes off going down to the sex hormones, past DHEA. Obviously, if progenolone is just pumping it down, cortisol, 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 it's robbing from DHEA and your sex hormones, so your libido drops when you're more stressed as well. It's this whole cocktail. Yeah. Can you see? There's a lot <laughs> Well, I can certainly see why the doctors kind of shortcut it to the, here's a pill. Not that that's the solution because, I mean, James, as you were talking about it, I realized this is such a downward spiral, right? Like one thing affects another thing that affects another thing. You, you know, we, we, we slow down a little, we have less testosterone, we start losing muscle mass. So we're probably less inclined to work out. We're probably less inclined to feel good and want to eat good, which, you know, 
<laughs> triggers kind of this hormone cascade all the way down. And, you know, it just feeds into each other. And so it makes a lot of sense how we get here and even get here without noticing it. Right. You, you slip a little bit. You have a little less energy. You do a little less, maybe eat a little worse. You're stressed. So you go more to comfort foods versus what you should be eating. And it being so interconnected, it's tough to like tease out like, OK, what's the solution? I mean, you know, so that's like, well, here's a pill. But I love so I love the idea that it doesn't have to go there necessarily, that some of the solution is the stuff that as adults, we know we should be doing anyway, <laughs> like, you know, eating kind of healthy and <laughs> cutting out some of the processed foods, moving. I love the resistance tra- training. So yeah, I, I guess that's more observation than question there, James and Claire, just that, you know, it's like this downward spiral, but you've identified like, how do we stop it from bottoming out? How do we, you know, kind of reverse that and create an upward spiral with it? I just want to say as well, we're always looking after the quick fix, right? Always looking yeah. for the quick fix. You know, the pill is 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 pretty quick fix, right? I just, I take the pill and I feel happier. And that's, that's the thing. That's what we do need to, you know, we just want instant gratification, sadly. In the, in the way the world is designed now, we're just looking for that instant gratification. And a lot of people don't necessarily have, don't, don't necessarily want to commit and be consistent with that, with committing to their own self and their own health. So I just, that was just something that came up for me. It's, it's that the pill thing is, okay, I'll take that and I'll feel better. But actually, there's a whole load of host of underlying issues there that you're not looking at. They're going to create even more problems that that pill can't solve. You make a really good point. How do you get how do you get started? The thing is, like like you identified there, the cascade effect. I always say it's like a spinning flywheel. And if it's spinning in the wrong direction, like you say, it knocks onto one thing, not to another. Like you're feeling down about yourselves and you you go out and you eat the triple mac and cheese on toast that's been deep fried or something because you want to feel better. Then you feel worse again. And it goes on. What you need to do is to start spinning that flywheel in a direction with small steps to start. And we always say like momentum breeds momentum. So it's about starting with those small achievable steps and achievable because you don't want to overwhelm your subconscious, right? Your subconscious is a tricky thing. It's always going to try and pull you back to a place that is familiar to it. So if you have been sitting on the couch, watching TV, eating junk food, it's going to try and put you back there because like you know, consciously, you know, that's not great for you. It's bad for you. But your subconscious is like, oh, you were still alive, so I was doing a good job. Let's go back there. It's easier. It's seeking pleasure over pain. But if we can start to just make the smallest changes that are achievable, and you're like, ha, subconscious, see, I told you, we could do that. We could go and walk like a mile in the morning, and then we've made it two miles. Then we've made it like five miles after a few weeks, and we're gradually cleaning up the diet, and we're starting to be more present and do, do these like positive mindset exercises. You can start to engineer change, and the, and the more you do it, this is what we do with our clients for ourselves. Like the more you get that flywheel spinning in the other direction, the more momentum you get. So you can start to cascade the other way in a really positive direction. You get hooked. You get hooked on achieving. You're like, like, okay, I've got a little bit more trust in myself here. I didn't have the glass of wine. And then it just, you know, the glass of wine or the glass of wine. And, you know, actually choosing yourself. We always say, you know, this is where we, I suppose, we come into the, like some of the spiritual aspects of it. It's, you know, choose from your higher self. <laughs> There's this higher part of yourself um that wants to be well that is well that is well so kind of choosing that over that quick fix that monkey mind the negative nancy that's what we call it so actually choosing yourself saying i'm choosing the highest version of myself right now and there's lots of different tactics we use nlp stuff and cbt stuff and all that all of those little toolkits that clients can just go oh i know i feel like that what did james and claire say pull it out of a bag 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned the instant fix. And of course we want that. And, and also we're talking about reversing a flywheel. There is going to be a period of time where we do not see any change, but we feel like we're doing all this effort. I've made all this change to my life. I'm not having the chocolate cake. I'm not having the extra beer and, and nothing's really changed. And it, it seems like it, it would be easy to slip back, to go back to the old habits. If we're not seeing gains and, you know, I, I imagine it's kind of a progressive gain. Like one day you look back and go, yeah, I feel amazing. But when we think about the instant fix, it's funny because I, you know, your, your program, the, the midlife method, you know, so that's an eight week program. And when I first saw that, and I, I think what's your tagline on it? Like lose belly fat, feel good, naked and regain control. So what is it that people start noticing first? So they start making these changes that you mentioned. How do they see it showing up in their lives? <laughs> That's a really great question. Uh, well, actually, for you, I know you <laughs> we're always like this. We, we love what we do so much. We're like that. You go. Oh, you go. <laughs> it's, it's really just what you say. Maybe talk about like what what brings people to the program. What we've noticed. So, first of all, a quick fix. You know, we've been culturally conditioned to to, to look for the quick fix for everything. You know, if you look at the whole diet industry and diet books, it's like lose X pounds in X days. The next one will be like even more pounds, even less days. But you know, all those things are doing crashing your metabolism so it's not rocket science in the day if you if you starve yourself you'll lose a load of weight but you'll lose it in a really wrong way you know you lose your muscle mass your metabolism crashes it's not don't do that at all but when people come to us they're like generally coming for the physical thing they're like i've put on a bit too much weight i'm not comfortable i don't like what i see in the mirror so i want to like shift some pounds off and feel good in myself again so that's the starting point of the journey. What they end up is, is like, yeah, well, I got the physical result, but the big game change for me is actually like the psychological change and the emotional resilience that I've built through this because I used to really panic about food, for example, but now I'm going out for a dinner with friends. I'll have what I want. I'll drink. I just don't sweat it because I know the next day what I'll do is just reduce this. I'll do this workout. And they've learned how to actually balance out so they can live this life like still enjoying it, but getting the results they want as well. I think um, people are always really surprised about how quickly they do get results, actually physically <laughs> as well. You know, some, some people take a little bit longer, but it's not about that. We say it's a mind, body and soul perspective, right? So it's about knowing yourself. It's about knowing thyself as well. It's about knowing your body, connecting back with your body. Because most people, by the time they reach midlife, are disconnected from their body. That's what we really find. They're somewhere, they're somewhere out here. You know, they're doing everything for everyone else. They're not ever really connecting with the only home they will ever have. So it's about bringing them back into their body, becoming aware of their body, being conscious of it, consciously eating, consciously moving. And then then the body, the mind is doing all of that good stuff. We're helping them with some of the mindset stuff. And the mind starts telling the body much kinder things, much kinder things. And it starts just coming all into place, falling into place because the body does respond to everything you say. So if you're being constantly negative about it, the results aren't going to happen as quickly. I totally believe that. There's that mind-body connection. So we're doing everything. You know, we always say it's 80% mindset and 20% doing. So all of the stuff we're doing and accountability and support, you know, that's why eight weeks is, my goodness, the results people get in eight weeks are just so beautiful to witness. But it is because as well, there's that accountability. And that is a missing piece that most people don't have is a champion shining a light when they just want to want to just fall off the wagon and don't want to get back on it again. It's having us two there. So I can, I can totally see that because, you know, 
by this time of life, I, I think we think we should have it figured out. Even, even if we don't like, I know I should eat better. I, I know what healthy foods are versus the really unhealthy foods. You know, I know I should exercise more. Like, I know I should be able to do this. So I can see people being hesitant to, you know, start a program or anything, just feeling like, well, I should have this. Why, why should I go to someone to tell me what I already know? But you mentioned this accountability piece. And I've discovered that in my own life as well, that knowledge doesn't get me results. Like it's the actual action that gets me results. So talk a little bit about that accountability piece. Yeah. So like you said there, I always say it's my favorite things like reading a book or something doesn't mean that you've then achieved it. You have to actually put into action what you've learned. So what we do, you know, we build the knowledge slowly. We don't want to overwhelm people. So nutritional coaching like will flow through. So we'll start with, you know, what constitutes a good breakfast? What are the portion sizes you should be looking at for you? We'll gradually build that up over time. So it's not overwhelming and it kind of becomes kind of instinctive. So at the end of eight weeks, they know like what, what's good to eat, what's not so good to eat how they can balance and manage that. Accounting-wise, we're getting people to check in like every week with a score of like how they've done that week based on, you know, how their exercise has gone, how their mindset exercise has gone, how how they're feeling their mood, how they think their food's gone, and we're feeding back to them. They're also tracking their results. You know, we're getting them to take measurements and they can do photos as well as they want. So they've got like, you know, actual physical results to track as well. And then, then we're there. So We've got a private group that we hang out in all the time, and then we do these group calls, and people come on, and then we're just available to people going through the program as well. Because we know everyone gets wobbles, right? Like saying people will lose or, or grow at, at different rates. Uh, one of my things is saying, like, you know, people sometimes come with really unrealistic expectations. They're like, ah, oh, I want to lose like 20 pounds in the first week. And you're like, listen, at no point in your life did you go to bed slim on Monday and by Sunday you couldn't fit in your clothes anymore. You know, like weight doesn't go on like that. So why would you expect it to come off like that? It's, it's We want to do it safely and for the long term so it's sustainable for you. Mm. And that's um, what people say, isn't it? You know, it's still off. All of the all the clients have ever come to us, you know, that's what you know they, they say. It's just sustainable. It's my life now. It's who I am. It's part of who I am. I had a lady who finished it a year ago and she was on our call this week. And she just got back from holidays, oh, which yes. is really amazing thing. She said, I'm, I'm still the same weight I was when I finished the original yeah. eight-week program. And that's after a year has gone by. Yeah, and I've just come back from holiday where I was <laughs> really overindulging. Yeah. Nice. That, now, that's success. That sustaining it for the year and beyond. I've always heard that year is kind of the, I don't know, cutoff point. Like, if you can make it that far, you're likely to keep it. But in within that first year, you know, it's... I guess, easier to go back to old habits because you haven't fully entrenched the new habits. Claire, you had said something that I want to check with. You had mentioned that um, how we talk to ourselves affects our, our results and our progress. Now, a lot of people are motivated to get back into shape because they don't like what they see in the mirror. They don't like how they feel. How, how do you, what, what do you tell people on how to balance that? Like, yes, you're not happy where you are, but so what do you say until you get there because yeah. without beating yourself up <laughs> it's uh it's beautiful and actually realizing that there's always going to be for, for, for me and being really really you have to be so realistic with yourself that there will always be pretty much everyone in the world there will always be a negative nancy or an, like an inner critic there will always be there and we always say we just did a podcast on this the next level you go another level another devil another level <laughs> another devil will sit on your shoulder telling you you can't do that who do you think you are? You're going to fail. Look what happened last time. But actually, what we 
that resistance is showing that you're growing. So we always say to clients, be really excited when that that devil comes on your shoulder because it means you're about to expand and grow. So see it as a signpost of success and that you're just going to smash through it and feel amazing afterwards. But I think what we do, we set people up in a really, really strong place with their why, their emotional connection with why they want to do this. And it is about they're not feeling very good in their skin, but why? Why is that affecting this? What else is it affecting? How's it affecting your relationship with your children, your success at work? You start in the business because it's all connected. So having a really strong why is like peeling a layer and layer of an onion away. Why, why, why? And then they're really emotionally connected to it. So having that as a starter, but then we go through a belief systems because the inner critic is coming in because it believes things aren't very helpful anymore. And it might be from a memory. uh, It can be from, it's basically living in the past, telling you why you shouldn't move forward. So actually working out, what some of those limiting beliefs are, what's what's the roadblocks, what's some of the limiting beliefs, and what would be a more helpful, what are some of the triggers, what would be a more helpful dialogue to have right now? So what the, being aware of what my trigger is when that inner critic comes up, what then happens, so a consequence, so we still call the ABC model, the activating event, what happens then? You know, I, I, I freeze, I procrastinate, I shout at my husband, I do this, that, or the other. What's the belief behind that? What would be a more helpful dialogue? And then we we pin that in. Every morning, you're getting up, you're doing your gratitude list, and you are speaking to yourself as that person, that new inner dialogue. I'm becoming healthier. I'm finding this easier. I am choosing myself. I am choosing. Other people have done this. Why not me? I am. I am capable of this. I know I can do this. I am remembering my why. Um. I, I am on the right track. I am making progress. Doesn't matter how slow, I am making progress. And I am knowing why I'm doing this because I'm choosing myself. So I appreciate that that is, it's not denying the current reality, but it is very focused on where, where they're headed. So it's not stuck. It's not mired in where they are. It's not defining themselves as anything other than a person who's moving forward versus a person who's stuck. So anyway, just uh, love that. Absolutely. It's exactly that too. So many of us see like happiness as a destination, right? We're like, oh, I'll be happy when, oh, when, when I've got more money, when I've bought that new car, when I found that new partner, like I'll be happy when. Actually, we've got to start to learn to, appreciate the journey and be happy in the journey now like oh I am a person that is learning how I can make more money I'm a person that is learning how I can get a new car I am a person that is going out dating to find a new partner so I'm that person that is being ready to receive that already and step forward it's just a very subtle change in thinking yeah Yeah. but but a powerful one yeah. yeah. Well, I want to switch gears here a little bit because uh, we, we've been talking about hormones and we mentioned, uh, you know, menopause. And there are a lot of people who are experts in menopause. I'm not one of them, but, but you are Claire. And, but before we started, James, you had mentioned just something about male menopause. And so first off, let's talk about what that is and you know, how, how does it show up? And yeah, let, let's just start right there. Yeah. So what's going on for men, as we said earlier, basically our testosterone levels are declining over time steadily. So we don't have an as abrupt window of change that that the the females have. So it's declining over time. We're likely to all get to this point at some time when we suddenly feel like we're not ourselves anymore. We're becoming aware more of our limitations. You know, like I said before, when we're in our 50s, 
our testosterone levels are going to be between 30 and 50% lower than they were in our 20s, which has a number of knock-on effects. Uh, and sadly, at the moment, you know, a lot of people see the male menopause, it's kind of a stereotype of the midlife crisis, you know, it's like, like the guy in his open-top sports car, car with like the 20-year-old girlfriend going, hey, I'm trying to reclaim my youth. And it, it's kind of a, a stereotype that's not that helpful because I know about the stats in, in the States, but in the UK, 75% of suicides were male and majority were midlife male. Because, of course, one of the things that men really seem to lack is like, I don't want to see much, but like is, is opening up to a support network, opening up to their friends about how they're feeling, you know, our identity tends to be very wrapped up in like how how strong or how how powerful we are. So we don't want to admit vulnerability. So you know, when we're not feeling great, when we're noticing that things aren't working, maybe if like the libido is gone, we don't want to open up to our friends about it and admit it, which means we're holding all that inside. I think we just need to start shining a light on what is going on with the midlife man's hormones and their body and their emotional state as a result of those hormonal changes. You can go, actually, you know what? This isn't, this isn't my fault. It's nothing I've done. You know, this is, this is my hormones working here. And that can help bring a bit of compassion to it, understanding, hopefully get them to start talking about it, but then actually start making lifestyle adjustments. So, you know, that we touched on it, like start to start moving the body more. So you can be like temporarily bumping that testosterone and human growth hormone back up with like intense workouts, just cleaning up your diet, like doing the positive mindset and, and talking and getting out and being vulnerable. Because I think, um, at the moment, it's great that the female menopause is getting so much attention. There's so many experts dealing with it, but we need to shine a light on what's going on for, for midlife guys as well. So I think they feel very unsupported and unheard at the moment. And unrepresented. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one, one of my early guests, Joe Gersant, he, he talked about a lot of men midlife and older just never learned how to process emotions and, and deal with it. We, we weren't taught tools. Our role models didn't know how to do it. So, you know, the, our parents, grandparents, they did their best, but didn't necessarily teach teach us how to do it. And now suddenly, you know, we find ourselves at midlife with all these other changes happening, perhaps some other changes, whether we're going through divorce, you know, we're old enough to see our, our parents, maybe even friends start to pass away. You know, there, there's a lot of heavy emotions kind of that have been gathering for a while. And now we hit midlife, don't really know how to deal with it. And Men also seem to lose friends over time. You know, like we've got our friends from college, but after that, not speaking for all men, but for many, you know, it's like the people we work with, we're friends with, but there's not really a intimate connection. We wouldn't just, you know, go up to our coworker and start talking about how our libido seems to be kind of suffering and, you know, we're feeling off. (laughs) Men men are, are bad at building new support networks. Like it's, it's a fact, you know? And I do think, you know, just from from being where I'm at, working with women on the menopause and the perimenopause, you know, what I don't, I really feel strongly about this. They're not mutually exclusive topics. You know, we we actually had a lady that was helping us getting this message out there and some of the responses from some of the radio stations about James potentially going on and talking about the andropause, women won't respond well to men talking about um, how they might be suffering. And it really, it got, it makes me really angry. It makes me really cross because um, it's not a competition. And this is where we get ourselves into the pickle that we're in anyway. This is why women are over here and men are over here. And they're not communicating and there's a there's a gap becoming more and more and more 
it's becoming wider and wider and wider between we see between midlife men and women getting wider and wider and wider and actually maybe and I did actually put a shout out to to some of my female community saying would you like to know a little bit more about what men are going through so we can support them as well it's not just all about us and if it is we're singing from the wrong um, song sheet there because we should be trying to bring us all together. They are not, just because we're talking about this over here, it doesn't mean to say we shut this one down over here, the andropause or, or men's emotions. And we don't, we say, no, you can't be heard. You can't, shush, be quiet. It's not right. And I feel really strongly about that. So I think the more we can talk about the menopause in front of men and the more men understand that, great. But the more that men can say, I'm feeling this way as well, without shutting them down, saying it doesn't matter, is really important. Yeah, that strikes me as being a difficult balance because, well, I can see it feeling like a competition. Like, oh, you're feeling bad. Well, I'm feeling bad too. Well, you know, and it just going totally downhill from there. So let's talk a little bit about kind of, kind of the, the communication and relationships piece. So from your experience, how does communication change over time or where in midlife do we get in our own way when we're trying to communicate? I think around the time of the menopause and antipause, imagine if you've got like the, the female partner going through the menopause or the perimenopause and the male partner going through andropause and there's all these things going on. They're both not really feeling themselves low mood if they don't talk about it together and about how they're feeling or about what's going on for them you can see how like little misunderstandings can start to go you know maybe maybe something's like you know one might suddenly decide to try and initiate love making for example the other one's like oh i just like no that's not going to happen because i'm feeling so terrible the other person can take that as an offense and then you just got this thing ping ponging backs and forwards backs and forwards you can see that like on every level so I think what happens for a lot of midlife couples is they kind of they kind of got together. They've got the ambitions to to kind of grow, grow their careers, have a family. But something at midlife, like they kind of they're feeling like like they should be at the pinnacle of stuff, you know. Like they probably raised the kids. Kids might be starting to to leave home or have left home. They feel like should be on top of the world, like career sorted. But as we know, reality actually hasn't panned out like that for many midlifers. So something like oh. I feel like the kids may be holding us together. They've left. I'm not sure who this person that lives in my house with me is. Both seem to have focused on careers or, or parenting and like, who are you? So it's just really important to start communicating. And I always say like, you know, relationships are like anything. You have to invest in them as well. And what can happen, unfortunately, is over time, we can become very familiar with someone and stop making the effort so much, but we really need to, we really need to, we need to think about your partner going, well, you know, what, what could I do for them without expecting anything back? Mm. You know, we always say to people like arrange a date night, at least, you know, at least every other week, go on a date night with your partner. St- stuff like this can get you reconnected. You know, remember what you used to like doing when you first started dating, what do you like to go and do? Go do it. I also, I would say don't assume. Mm. So many of us assume like, here's, I'm going to be, a, here's a reality, here's a truth bomb. By midlife, some of us are feeling incredibly disappointed. There's just an air of disappointment. And that can come across as resentment and you're resentful to yourself. You've lost self-belief. You don't even know who you are, what you want anymore. So you're navigating all of that. You're not talking about it necessarily because you might be feeling some shame. You're not going to be pretending you don't feel like that yourself. But actually, that's just creating more and more of a barrier and this this widening yeah widening um, 
thing between you two. So actually don't assume that your partner knows how you're feeling. Actually go and do the work on your own. Go and find it, have a think about what's going on for you, but then communicate that with, with your loved one and actually communicate it and then ask them how they're feeling. You know, like how many times do we do that? Sit there and just say, what's going on for you? What do you want? How's life panning out for you? <laughs> How's life panning out? But a lot of the time we don't necessarily want to hear the, answer, the answers to that. But actually not having those questions out in the open is what creates so much of a problem. And, and projecting, project, assuming, projecting our stuff on someone else. We always project. That's what we do in relationships. Constantly project our own reality on them. And we're just assuming. Yeah, I've certainly found, you know, looking over my, my own relationship with, with my wife, that most of the problems have stemmed from either assumptions or unvoiced expectations, which I guess is kind of an assumption, but, you know, I just, you know, I expected this, you didn't do it. And now I'm mad or upset or interpreting that some way when the other person had no clue there was an expectation. They didn't even have an honest chance to respond to that expectation, which is just, you know, basically people not talking to each other or not talking more than one level down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that disappointment, isn't it? You've disappointed me. I didn't even know what you expected. (laughs) How am I disappointed when I didn't even know what you expected? And it's so strange because we live in the houses with these people and we just presume they're telepathic but and here's the thing we don't give ourselves enough time to sit down and have those conversations Mm -hmm. if you don't it's just going to roll on and on and on and then you're going to feel like you don't know yourself or that other person yeah and I can also imagine that we feel like we should or we feel like we do because you know we've known that person for so many years now that person may have evolved and changed and grown and we just see them the way that they were or the way we think of them, or we don't want to bring it up just because like, it's really awkward to say, Hey, we've known each other for 30 years. I didn't know that about you. Like, you you know, actually you can make it, it's about (laughs) evolving together and being, you know, I know I absolutely hear you. It can be a really uncomfortable conversation to to say, I don't, I'm not, I'm not happy. (laughs) I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Um, And I'm not saying I'm not happy with you, but I'm saying I'm not happy in myself and that might be reflecting um, at you. And we just need to sit down and talk about this because I imagine you might not be happy either. So it's about, it's about being really respectful of both emotions and trying to take the sting out of it as well. Trying to stay, take the blame game. You know, you're responsible for my happiness, blah, blah, blah. You know, actually taking responsibility and having that conversation. And I was saying there's having a real self-awareness as well, because it's really uh, common and tempting to kind of like blame everything on the other person. Mm. Like, oh, you know, that's not the person I thought she was anymore. But actually, like, you know, you've alluded to there. If actually we're feeling like disappointed in life and a bit resentful and we're not really liking ourselves, how are we actually showing up, you know, for the other person? So we need to have that level of self-awareness as well and and then communicate openly. James, you had mentioned something about embracing the second act with joy. And I think you said enthusiasm, but joy stuck out to me. So what do both of you enjoy most about midlife? Like for you, what's the real advantage of being where you are now? My wisdom. (laughs) And I don't mean to say that with like, it's it's actually claiming my wisdom and thinking, my goodness, all these incremental things that I um, I look back on now and they were awful and painful. You know, both of us have been through divorces and all sorts of stuff in our life and actually just going, oh my goodness, look at where I am now. And I'm actually, I'm actually pleased. 
that those things happen. I can see, I can understand my story and it's just going to, I understand myself so much more. So the wisdom, I think, is the joy that I, is my joy, is my wisdom. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say something similar. I say like in my experience, you know, like I'm, I'm just so much more in tune with myself, like physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, like, yeah, I had a blast in my 20s, but I was racked with so many insecurities and all the rest of it. But now I'm just more chilled. And I, I think that only comes from experience and doing the work on yourself as well. Joy is helping other people see that in themselves as well. Yeah. Like we we love, we love helping people see their potential and reclaim their power and their magic. I love it. Love it. So where can people find you? If people are, you know, like, yeah, I want more of James and Claire, where do they find you? We have our podcast, The Midlife Mentors. So yeah, go go listen to that. Or you can find us on our website, themidlifementors.com. Excellent. Yeah, and Instagram is at Midlife Mentors because we couldn't get the the. (laughs) Very annoying. Very (laughs) annoying. For a Virgo like me, I was like, that's so annoying. (laughs) So it's at Midlife Mentors on Instagram. (laughs) Well, any final final thoughts or advice you'd pass on to the audience here as we wrap up? No, just um, just try it. Just actually surround yourself. I would say surround yourself with people that, you know, are are more joyful at this point of life. You know, we we become the people we surround ourselves with. So get your boundaries set in place and start kind of listening to uplifting things, connecting with people that are, you know, that you feel inspired by because actually, you know, life is what you make it. So if you're looking at it and surrounding yourself with people that are thinking, well, I'm on a slippery slope to death, then you're going to kind of start having that energy about you as well. So I would say just, you know, create that amazing community and network, which is what you're doing so wonderfully as well. It's amazing. And what we're doing together by creating all this joyful stuff around me. I would say I know how hard it can be to take the first step. Like mm-hmm. I know, I know some of you might be sat there listening, thinking, you know, oh, I, I know I should do this. I, I want to do this, but I just, I just don't trust myself. You know, just think if someone else has done it, you can do it, you know? So just trust yourself to take the smallest step and start moving in a different direction. Your life you is worth it. it. Their life's worth yeah. it. Oh, fantastic place to wrap up there. Too short of conversation, I, I know, because there's so much good stuff here. But this has been amazing having you on. I love this. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank oh, you. So thank much. you. It's been brilliant. It's thank been so you. good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's been brilliant. Thank you for listening. If I could ask one thing, please leave a short review about the podcast. The easiest way to do this is go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash midlife mastery, lovethepodcast.com forward slash midlife mastery, and just leave a short review, letting people know what you really enjoyed about this episode or about the podcast in general. And this does a couple of things. One, it lets me know what's really resonating and really helpful for you. Two, it also helps other people discover the show. And that's the primary way this podcast grows is through sharing and through sort of that self-discovery. And so, as I mentioned before, I'm just amazed that this has grown to be top 10% globally ranked, um, which again, it's just a little mind blowing for me. And uh, also, you know, we're in 42 countries now and being downloaded around the world. And I love that, that it is reaching and resonating and connecting with so many different people and your referrals, your shares, and your reviews help with that. Thank you so much.